0: Alrighty, welcome to the My Age Podcast, a podcast that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life. Using music to plot a course from their early years to how they got to where they are now. Episode forty nine. Look, got a feeling there'll be a whole, you know, bunch of first time listeners, which is fantastic. I welcome you. Um hope, you know, hope you stick around. Go check out some other episodes if there's any names that seem familiar. And you know, to the people who are 40, you know, now 49 episodes deep, thank you for sticking around, it's really, really appreciated. Uh, today's guest, as you would have seen by the name, Miss Zia McCabe uh, from the Dandy Warhols. Now, when I first started doing this podcast, or before I even started doing it, but it was like a pipe dream kind of idea or, I don't know, whatever, I wrote a, I started writing a list of like, oh, like guests that are somewhat attainable, <coughs> pardon me, um, you know, friends and you know, good chance guests and that kind of thing, as in like, you know, I've got a good chance of getting them on. Uh, and then there were the the White Whales, if you will, and uh, Zia was up there, probably one of the f- first three or four people I wrote down, um, because, you know, I've, I've been, like, Danny Warholz hold a very, very special place in my heart, as we might, I think we mentioned in the podcast, but if we don't, you know held a very very special place in my heart over the last I really got into one in about 2002, 2002, 2003 the Welcome to Monkey House album um, when I first moved out of home and moved up to the Central Coast um, I lived in a house with one Daniel Daly from uh, a band called One Dollar Short and previous guest of the pod best mate of the pod one David Macbeth. Um we moved into an apartment together, and I felt like it was the soundtrack to the apartment. Uh, yeah, the Welcome to the Monkey House album. Still, you know, still gets a regular run these days. Um, see them whenever I can, whenever they tour out here. Ever since then, actually, I've kind of tried to catch them, obviously, as many times as possible. And, yeah, I don't think I mentioned the podcast, or I think I edited it out, Edited it out. Um but there's a very, very strong chance Cody, my son, was conceived in Portland. So that's fun. And, and it was also happened around the same time that the Dandies put out the album Distortland, which had a couple of really, really I mean, fantastic album. Two of the singles. Um, one of them was called Some Things You've Gotta Get Over. And when Cody could kind of, about, I guess, Cody was walking about 10 months old. And when he was up and about, you know, we put music on in the house because that's what we do here and that song would come on and eventually his ears would prick up for any- whenever that song came on his ears would prick up from anywhere in the house and he would run to the music source and start dancing to it um, and yeah, no. So he, Danny Warhol's and Tom Waits were two of his favourite arts recording artists um, so you know, a bit of, bit of shin-fo um, yeah so i guess that's about it um oh, no i should mention uh we are my age podcast is obviously part of the podbillion network fantastic network um whole bunch of really cool podcasts you can check out uh there's the ectoplasm show which is basically like a podcast about paranormal sciences conspiracies aliens and all that kind of weird crap um i shouldn't say crap but you know weird stuff uh the all things star wars podcast kind of self-explanatory Um, Art and Jacob Do America. Now, if you're going to start with Art and Jacob Do America, I highly recommend checking out the Justin Pearson episode, um, if you know, well, you may not know who Justin Pearson is. Justin Pearson was in The Locust, I think he did three, uh, was it 3G, or G, 3G, G3. He was in Sun Girls, which were fucking rad. Um, really, he was on, um, if you're old enough to remember, he was on Jerry Springer, and I think they kind of worked out that he was a fraud. But, um, you know, he walked on... Oh, he played in the Locust. And he walked on with a Locust shirt, which was pretty bloody amusing. Um, so, yeah, a whole bunch of cool stuff there. And also cool information on, you know, how to... If you're interested in doing a podcast, how to start it up, what gear to get, how to kind of, you know, make the damn thing happen. Uh, if you've got an idea, just go there and they can kind of fill the rest of the gaps in. Um, also, obviously... The episode is brought to you by Gringo Bandito Hot Sauce. <sighs> if you're in the states, you can get it from Amazon. You can get it from GringoBandito.com. Uh, it's the world's greatest hot sauce. I'm sorry, it just is. Uh, made from all fresh ingredients. Um, four flavors. They're all fucking great. If you, you know, if you want, if you're not, if you're, you're not scared of hot sauce, because you know, hot sauce shouldn't be something to be scared of. And don't think of it like it's like it's a uh, hot ones. Challenge where it's all fucking brutal. Um, the red and the green are pretty. To call them a hot sauce is a bit of a. You know, sometimes it's an undersell because people just assume it's going to be brutal. It's warm, but it's also tasty as fuck. And then my personal favorite is the super hot, which is just a fucking cracking flavor. Not too brutal, you know, but it's all about the quantities you put on that little burrito you're about to destroy or those uh, little little piece of pizza you're about to nibble on. Anyhow, I'm digesting. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, If you think this episode's worth a dollar, feel free to go to paypal.me slash myangepodcast. Or don't, doesn't matter. It's always going to be free. Um, It's never expected, always appreciated. Uh, Zia McCabe, also, I'll say one more thing. Um, When Zia picks a bunch of songs, your boy's not going to kind of censor and say, Hey, look, uh, we only usually do five songs. I say, the more the merrier. So there's actually eight tracks on this. They're all bangers. It's the wildest shit. So, um, yeah. New Dandy's album coming out, which we mentioned at the end of it. I'll post the links on all the socials. Um, it's fucking fantastic. Uh, it's nothing like what you've ever heard before, and there's a good reason for that. And... It's really fucking cool. Anyhow, hope you're keeping well at keeping well. And all we'll right, speak to you at the end. Cool. Alrighty. Um, with me on the line all the way from sunny Portland, Oregon. I'm assuming it's sunny, although I shouldn't probably assume that because I guess it rains there a lot. Um, I've got Zia McKay from the Dandy Warhols. How are you? I'm
1: good. It is actually sunny at the moment, um, but there have been several hailstorms today.
0: Several hailstorms, so, not just one, several.
1: Yeah, I, um, several. Yeah, I biked. I, I managed to make it between the storms. I didn't fare so well the other day. I got absolutely beat up by hail, but um,
0: no, I did better today. It's, it, I was speaking to someone just recently Um, there in Seattle, Um, and they were mentioning what a beautiful day it was and how much it was I, – I don't know if irony is the word, but – You know, you don't get. They don't get much sun. You don't get much that much sun in the Pacific Northwest. And when you like, all of a sudden, you do get some sun, and you're locked down. So that's kind of fantastic.
2: It's been
1: great actually because I can bike, and there's no traffic.
3: Ah, of course.
1: I'm loving it. There's no people anywhere. I'm out on the bike, and and, you know, each person that's out kind of feels like they have the city to themselves.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good you're one. You're almost
1: like annoyed when you see another person.
0: Yeah, you're in completely inconvenienced by them.
1: Yeah, cool. my
0: That's my town. That's awesome. All right, so um, look, I'll just start it off how I guess I start all of them off. Um, tell us about your parents. Were they kind of heavily into music? Um, do they have any kind of musical bones in their body? What's the? Where do they kind of come from when it comes to music?
1: Well, there's musicians on both sides of my family, but neither uh, of my parents actually play an instrument, though they had an awesome record collection, which I now have and have been expanding and adding to over the years. Um, uh, A lot of, it went back as far as, like, um, the vintage country starting in the late 50s and some uh, 50s hot rod music, um, and then just went on through through a really good, Collection of sixties and seventies um, country music and psychedelic rock and roll.
0: Awesome. W- but, um, did they kind of grow up and then meet each other in the Pacific Northwest, or how did they kind of where Where do they kind of come from? Especially, do we listen to a lot of early country stuff?
1: They both grew up in the Pacific Northwest, um, and I think the majority of the the record collection I inherited was my dad's, but my mom had some really cool records mixed in. But, uh, yeah, some of my earliest memories listening to those records was Willie Nelson's Red-Headed Stranger. Okay. That album um, was a really common, kind of mellow morning, weekend album. I remember bringing my dad the coffee, you know, feeling really proud to carry the, the coffee yeah. cup full of hot coffee over to my dad. Giving that responsibility, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a big deal. And that, that was the, the soundtrack of that kind of special tap that i was given and then a little bit later when i was allowed to use the turntable my dad made these really cool speakers in the 70s so these beautiful home speakers and uh all the records were um um stacked uh horizontally um well the the record stands vertical but they're all side by side i don't know how you describe that Yeah, yeah, yeah one long row yep and uh, they were between the speakers underneath the stairs so there was this kind of this cave feeling in this I grew up in a log cabin so if that helps you kind of picture this
0: right in a log cabin um, log,
1: yeah my dad built a log cabin and then built the speakers inside the for the home stereo uh, he can he can make anything
0: whereabouts and what was he doing to kind of facilitate raising a family in a log cabin
1: uh, he fixed carts.
0: Oh, cool! Okay.
1: So he had a bo- so he had a body shop. Um, he could do anything, mechanic or body, to the cars, and then uh, yeah, he built the log cabin in in '78, and we lived in there. He still lives there. Um, and my mom grew a big garden, and we had horses and ducks, and and kind of this cool off grid living.
0: Yeah. And it's th- about
1: 45 minutes north of, uh, north of Portland, so it's in Battleground, Washington.
0: Okay, so it's across the border. I guess Portland's right on the border, isn't it, or relatively close to?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's just, just on the other side, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what was your mum doing? Like, was she working or...?
1: She had a big garden, so she grew a big organic garden and um, a pair of our horses and ducks and bunnies and... Um, she worked her job sometimes, but mostly she was at home taking care of the property.
0: Yeah, cool. And are you an only child or kind of one of a few?
1: I have one younger sister.
0: Okay. So you're the you're the older sister influencing the younger sister with music?
1: Yep, exactly right. And uh, so luckily my parents had really good taste in music. So when we started, you know, coming home after school and our parents would be at work, uh, I would get into these records and have my mind blown daily. Um, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, um, The Rolling Stones, Through the Past Darkly, The Beatles, White Album, Black Sabbath, Sweet Leaf. I mean, it was this, just like
0: this is your parents' record collection. That's the that's the scope of what they're listening yeah. to. Wow,
1: these are the records I'm discovering all by myself. I didn't know anybody else that listened to any of this music and I just couldn't believe how amazing, you know, when, when your friends are listening to Millie Vanilli yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, but, but, and I like, do you like these guys. I'm like, I guess so. No, I just didn't know to say, no, they're terrible. Actually. And you need to listen to dark side of the moon. Yep. I just didn't realize I was how onto something I was, just how lucky I was to be exposed to this music. And then how kind of cool I was for realizing all by myself how cool this music was. Yeah. No, but nobody told me. I could have just thought it was lame because it was my parents. But instead of, and, and, and it's vinyl, right? So you get a hold of the the album and look at the cover art and pull that piece of vinyl out for the, for the first time. And yeah, and look at the liner notes while it's playing. And, and I just, it's some of my very best memories of childhood besides, of course, Growing up in the country and and forts and and horseback riding and there was this whole wonderful lifestyle that I had, but but these, this record collection is such a big part of my childhood.
0: What what made like what makes your parents? I mean, because look, it's a completely different. Like the beauty of what like the beauty of the conversations I feel I have is that no one's parents' stories are the same, and so it's interesting to kind of get my head around like that kind of growing up. Like what what makes your What makes your parents kind of go off the grid, but also be so in touch with, you know, modern music and kind of, I guess, still have their finger on the pulse with that kind of thing? Like, what, like, was there, was there, was there a defining moment for your dad, for your parents, to kind of shun "quote unquote" regular society or suburbia or city living or or that kind of thing, or was it, you know, what was the catalyst for it all? I mean, the Vietnam War had happened,
1: right? Yeah. and i don't know what year that ended but i think my dad had decided that he was going to um dodge the draft if his number came up Yep. and so he was he was against the war he's just, just to to sadly point out is a full on trumper now so i don't know what went wrong your, where how your dad's
0: I'm, a trumper now
1: yeah so something happened
0: okay
1: and my adulthood that just went sideways but but back then i mean we had a we had a corral like this big gated uh, area where all of our recycling went and my dad would truck it to the nearest re- recycling center there was no curbside recycling like we, we were of the earth and organic gardening and and it was so cool but obviously if my dad was either a poser or he's a poser now i don't know what happened uh, my mom's still like that. She's through and through hippie off the grid, yeah. you know, fuck capitalism, fuck society, leave me alone, you guys are all gross. I just wanna go be a witch at the beach. Yeah. So she she's a hardcore artist, anti establishment, anti authority, witchy, hippie badass. Um but the but the record collection was my dad's, and you know what I think my theory is because believe me, I've wondered why they to have these records. <laughs> I can imagine. I think yeah. it was to it was to impress
3: chicks. Okay, fair it, enough. It was
1: to have it was dad because he would have Willie Nelson, the Highwayman, you know, Commander Cody, this more like hot rod music, country music. I think that's more him, truly him. Yep. And I think he had this other shit because. He, he is um I can say all this shit because these guys will never hear this, but he's so <laughs> obsessed with approval yeah. and being liked and, and you know, he's he's really has that that bad, that, that need. And so I think he was buying what you know, the the people that seemed cool in his world were listening to. Yeah. And then when people would come over, they would be like, Oh, Paul yeah, you have the new Sabbath album That's badass Far out, man Pink Floyd <laughs> yeah. You know So <laughs> I think that it was honestly To be cool
0: That's amazing That's Not,
1: incredible You know and, and maybe he liked it too But But uh, You know it, you, It's easily influence when you're trying to be cool what you like and don't like yeah you're malleable
0: you're very very that's the perfect word for you very malleable (laughs) you kind of take on whatever to get to get the goal to get it across the line yeah
1: yeah like me suffering through millie to millie with my friends going up (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's awesome We'll get to that one later um, So is there a song that kind of sums up Like I guess something that kind of Distinctly reminds you of your parents Or living at home Or something that kind of has stuck with you Like you remember the second you put on this LP Or this song and it kind of changed you forever Do you, Is there a song that kind of sums up that?
1: Uh, yeah I think in my youth it was Willie Nelson's album red Stranger and, and you can use the title track off of that
4: The red-headed stranger From Blue Rock, Montana Rode into town one day And under his knees Was a raging black stallion. walking behind was a bay The red-headed stranger Had eyes like thunder And his lips, they were sad and tight His little lost love Lay asleep on the hillside, and his heart was heavy as night. Don't cross it, don't boss it, he's wild in his sorrow. He's riding, hiding his pain. Don't fight it, don't spite it, just wait till tomorrow. Maybe he'll ride on again. yellow-haired lady leaned out of her window and watched as he passed her way. She drew back in fear at the sight of the stand, but cast greedy eyes on the bay. But how could she know that this dancing bay pony meant more to him than life? For this was the horse, that his little lost darling had ridden when she was his wife. Don't cross him, don't boss him. He's wild in his sorrow. He's riding, and hiding his pain. Don't fight him, don't spite him. Just wait till tomorrow. Maybe he'll ride on again. The yellow-haired lady. Came down to the tavern and looked up the stranger there. He bought her a drink and he gave her some money. He just didn't seem to care. She followed him out as he saddled his stallion and laughed as she grabbed at the bay. He shot her so quick they had no time to warn her. She never heard anyone say Don't cross him, don't boss him He's wild in his sorrow He's riding, hiding his pain Don't fight him, don't spite him Just wait till tomorrow Maybe he'll ride on again A yellow-haired lady Was buried at sunset The stranger went free, of course For you can't hang a man For killing a woman Who's trying to steal your horse This is the tale of the red-headed stranger And if he should pass your way Stay out of the path of the raging black stag And don't lay a hand on the bay don't cross it, don't boss him. He's wild in his sorrow. He's riding, hiding his pain. Don't fight him, don't spite it. Just wait till tomorrow. Maybe he'll ride on again.
1: And then later when I was um, going through these albums and discovering them, the one that really... Kind of knocked me, knocked the wind out
0: of me was um, Sweet Leaf, okay, by Black Sabbath. Fantastic!
1: Is that, is that, the, is that the Sabbath one that goes ahead, ah uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: Yes, yes, it is. I'm, I'm so glad you sang that. I just wanted, yeah, that's that's unreal. Awesome, that's fantastic. That's it. It
1: scared me that that song. I had to take the needle off
0: the record and like catch my
1: breath and. And work
0: up the nerve
1: to start
0: the song over. Yeah, um, I re- it, it really like what the what the hell just happened? It's interesting, like um, that concept of I'm, I'm sure I, I hope it's out there, and I'm, I'm sure it is out there. It's just I'm you know I'm uh, late. I'm 38, so a lot of a lot of music doesn't you know couldn't really shock me or whatever. But I kind of I think of those moments like um, where you hear something, you think like this is this is otherworldly and I hope that, like, a younger generation, like, you know, they're missing out on going to the record store and doing all that process but, like, I hope there's music out there at the moment that kind of makes young kids go, what the fuck is this? Like, this is, should I be listening to this? Like, what is this all about? Like, really kind of sensing some kind of adrenaline slash fear through them that listening to like a Sabbath right. album would hear with young ears.
1: Well, I think Nirvana probably did that for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And,
1: and unfortunately, uh, Dubstep did that for a lot of people. Okay. I I, I wasn't on that ride. I thought Dubstep oh, just rubs me the wrong way, just, just so not music to me. Yeah. But for, I think for a lot of people, because I've had that new – Um. Approach to low end. Yeah, I think that it probably knocked the wind out. I mean, I guess I could say it knocked the wind out of me, but but not in a good way.
0: So not yeah. in a good way, like Sabbath did. Oh yeah, I kind of think like on that. Not that they're incredibly similar, but like um, a lot of the like this is getting forward into the future from your timeline, but like something like Apex Twin has the imagery yeah. and the kind of sounds and the whole soundscape towards it? the air that, that to me, like, that's probably the last time I kind of went, this is daunting. Like watching the, you know, the come to daddy film clip or whatever, watching it going, what the fuck? Like, this is like a horror movie set to like three and a half minute, a three and a half minute song. Like, you know, so hopefully someone's out there still scaring yeah, kids. That's
1: probably why
0: I don't know anything about it. I can't go any scarier than Sabbath. Oh, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, oh. the
1: shining and black tap is basically where Gary stops for me. Yeah. And I just don't want anything to be scarier than that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So then I guess kinda moving on to what what kind of you know
1: what? I should I should point out one of their artists from that time period. Yeah, please do. Because Janice Joplin, which was my mom's record, so so I mentioned two that were my dad's and one that was my mom. Yep. The I got really, really into Janice Joplin and she was the first, you know, biography that I read. She was the first box that I owned. I have her same tattoo on on my wrist. And I can't say that I'm like a diehard fan as far as listening to her yeah. on any sort of regular basis as an adult. Um, but there is a place in my heart for Janice and the way that she kind of, that music just sort of tore out of her. Yeah. Um, you, you know, there was something about you could tell that this was the, the thing that redeemed life. For her,
0: yeah, for singing. yeah, it was, it was, not it's something yeah. she needed to do.
1: Yeah, she couldn't live without it. She, she was, she was miserable unless she was doing it. You know, kind of thing. And that being able to hear that without knowing her story, and then, and then, you know, of course, realizing it really that is her story yeah. was pretty impactful. Like how much music means to the musician. Um, that it's not a per, it's not about being a performer, it's about being able to exist. And uh, so she that that was an important life lesson in music um, that happened around that same time.
0: Is there a standout song that we can play for from Janis Joplin's discography?
1: Yeah, of course. Me and Bobby McGee is just a that that whole the Pearl um, that album is yeah. so amazing. Yeah. But, uh, and, and really though Mercedes Benz, yes, I think I, we, we've had the privilege to play the Fillmore a few times and I sang it there one night at the end of the show and man, that was some powerful stuff getting to do that at the Fillmore. I tried it again at the next venue, you know, in Arizona or something. And it was just like a total bummer. Yeah. So did, not you, the same. did
0: you? Did yeah. you you just ended the set and then sang it a cappella, or did you kind of have something? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, I did the whole thing. I said, I you know, I, it's just such an honor to be to Fillmore, and I I'd like to do a song with social and political import. It goes like this, and sang it. Um, And I have now. I will forever. Anytime we play the Fillmore, because anytime we play the Fillmore could be the last time. Yeah. And getting to and I don't know how many chicks roll through that town. I mean. The, the, the staff might be going oh god here we go again. Yeah, yeah. you know two nights a week bitches are up there singing Mercedes Benz and they just are so happy to be there but yeah. I don't actually care if every female vocalist that comes through and crosses that stage does it yeah. I am still going to do it because it's just
0: why the heck wouldn't I yeah, yeah that's exactly right that's right Awesome I no
1: I don't, I don't have to say I do feel bad for the security and staff if that, that really is happening and I but and if it is happening I hope my versions is one of the better ones. I
5: like to do a song of great social and political import. It goes like this. Oh Lord! Dialing $4 is trying to find me. I wait for delivery each day until 3. So, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a night on the town? I'm counting on you, Lord. Please don't let me down. Prove that you love me a Mercedes
0: Benz. As you kind of hit high school and that kind of thing, uh, oh, what do you what do you call is it junior high? It, sure, uh, middle it was middle school where middle I grew up. Okay, so once you hit kind of middle school, um, where were you getting your musical influences from? Like as we kind of said earlier, you're the big you're the bigger sister of you between you and your sister. Um You've already kind of tapped this amazing well of of music from your parents um, but, you know, that's only kind of so limited to, especially with a lot of music that's going on in the kind of in the 80s and in towards the 90s. What were you, how were you getting music? Like you mentioned Millie Vanilli was completely, off, like it was on the radar but it was like begrudgingly on the radar. How were you getting stuff and what were you kind of listening to?
1: Well, I don't know. I think you said you're 38, so you probably are old enough to remember tape to tape.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So so we'd tape tapes, right, where you'd, like, put masking tape over something, yep. put a little piece of the tape over the tab.
0: Yep, so you and, can, so
1: so you can copy your it. And copy. Yep. Yeah, your double deck. And so then people were copying cassettes. And the the first two that I got of tape to tape was NWA,
3: Wow. Okay.
1: <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, talk about having the wind knocked out of you. That shit was pretty close. The first time you hear it, you're like, what just happened? Yeah. She <laughs> <laughs> just said some really, really vulgar things. Um, so that and uh, what was the first one of the Beastie Boys? Was that License to Ill?
0: Uh, yeah, the first full length was licensed. I'm pretty sure it was licensed to ill, yeah,
1: yeah, because right there's no pictures anymore. Now we've gone from this amazing vinyl cover art to these shitty little cassettes with masking tape on them, yeah. But, but so it's a different experience, but it felt like contraband, and we were getting you know, these kids are getting passed around. And so that was another real mind blowing musical experience. Was the so it's had NWA and that Beastie Boys tape, and I started getting some cassettes here and there from you know, um, uh, singles Yep. Remember? Yep, we were, I do. We were, I had a Rob Bass. Oh my God, De la Soul Three is the magic number on this.
0: Look, that's a you know you could be you could pick worse Castingles. You know that's a pretty powerful song.
1: Yeah, I do have work
0: on them, I can tell you. Um, that was a good one, though. That uh, I felt pretty cool that I had that single. Yeah. So with I'm just – I'm curious to, you know, both NWA and Beastie Boys, coming from two – obviously the two different kind of scenes being, you know, New York and South Central LA, how does that mm-hmm. – how does that hit you being from, like, you know – Shack in, like, you know, wooden shack in the, in the, like off the grid in Washington. How does that kind of cross your path? And what, what was your, ref, like? what was your reference? And kind of, cause it's, it's not even two different worlds. It's two different dimensions in my mind, South Central, to what you kind of described as how you're living.
1: I had no idea what they were
0: talking about. Yeah, right. I just I was like,
1: I don't, I didn't know what South Central LA was. Yeah. I didn't know what Brooklyn was. I just, um, I don't know anything about that. It. it was all, it didn't matter. It was just, yeah, you're right. They, they were singing about being on a different planet. Yeah. Um, but they just, they said bad words and talked about funny stuff, Yeah. you know, beers and partying and, yep. and, and, and bitches and poppies. And you know, yeah. like, I mean, they're just still singing about their homies. Um, so where they were just sort of went by me as if they said a word in a different language Yep,
0: you just okay. don't hear that part but you can still hear the you can still hear the urgency in it in all of it and the yeah the 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 vibe and the energy still translates whether you can understand the message or not it was
1: very exciting yeah. yes it was very very exciting and it felt so dangerous that I had these cassettes with all these not that we weren't allowed to because my parents didn't care about that, but still, with all these bad words, you just didn't hear that in a recorded format. And NWA cups like, even if you were in the sixth grade and you thought you'd heard and said every bad word in every combination, <laughs> yeah. you had that was baby talk compared to what was on that cassette.
0: Yeah, yeah. They kind of they, – they raised the bar with the, the profanities, oh. you know, <laughs> and brought and – because the, they were the prime – they were like one of – well, one of the bands that basically brought the tipper, stick, tipper sticker in, yeah? One of the bands that
1: what?
0: Brought in the tipper sticker, like the um, parental advisory. Like they were one oh, of Oh, oh,
1: the um, ex, uh, explicit?
0: Explicit language, yeah. Like not that they wanted that yeah. but like it, you know, they were – I guess they were one of the bands on the, on the forefront of being accused of, you know, all the weird – Yeah, one that's what – put all
1: those – all those Christian mothers had to take action yeah. to protect the children
0: yeah. <laughs> and their precious ears. Yeah. What all they did
1: was drive
0: up sales. Oh, absolutely! Like I remember when I first started buying music in the late in the early nineties. Like that sticker may may as well have been a big bow saying, "Hey, here's what you're looking for." Like it doesn't matter. Oh, absolutely. you know, here it is. Like here's yeah, here's the sign that this is good.
1: I don't think any well-intentioned plan. Of meddling
0: has ever backfired so wonderfully. <laughs> so wonderfully is the right word. That's right. So, what did did your like? You know, are your parents kind of hearing you hear this? And if they are, what's their kind of vibe on it? Like you said, like profanities and that kind of thing wasn't really a big deal. But there's a lot more to, especially NWA, than just profanities.
1: You know, I think it was just on my on my um in my Walkman. Okay. I don't. I don't know if they. You know, they probably just hear like. You know, turn that shit down. If it was in a. On a stereo. Yeah. I, I, I only remember it being in my Walkman, so maybe I knew to keep it to myself, yeah. or I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I have some vague memories of trying to get my parents to listen to music I liked, and just realizing early on that zero interest.
0: It's a futile we mission. Had
1: a, we had one of those. We had one of those um, Memberships membership three pay of a, a penny a record or something. Oh yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah yeah.
1: So we did get that kind of bridge the gap between the Sabbath and Peak Floyd and stuff. There was this amount of time in junior high and high school where we got like yeah you know, um Prince Purple Rain and, and Cindy Locker, she's so unusual and David Lee Roth Edam and Smiles. So we there was this there was some more current music coming in that wasn't all that, – that was um, decent.
0: Yeah, yep.
1: So that helped. But yeah, no, I think I just kept it to myself.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So have you got anything that kind of sums up musically around that time, like a song that kind of – that, you know that really shook you that you can again vividly remember that kind of shook your foundations when you first heard it or something that's kind of maybe even stuck with you all these years later. Oh my gosh, she's
1: crafty! I love yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really fun. <laughs>
6: Sticks, so my place or yours? So let's kick some bass behind closed When I woke up late in the afternoon, she taking all the things from inside his room. I found myself naked in the middle of the floor. She had taken the bed and the chest of drawers, the mirror, the TV, the new guitar chords, my remote control, and my old skateboard. She rides up blind. she took all we own, and the boys blame me for bringing her home. She's, she's crafty. crafty, she gets around, she's, she's crafty. crafty, she's always down, she's crafty, she's got it great she's crafty, and she's just my type.
0: Your parents weren't musical. How, like, what? What was your what was your first instrument, and kind of what drew you to it? I mean, you said you had musical family members. Was there kind of a family member on the periphery, kind of guiding you towards an instrument, or kind of how did that all come about? Sadly, no, no.
1: In music class in sixth grade, I wanted to play drums. They wouldn't let me. Uh, a family clarinet was forced on me, which unfortunately, clarinet isn't probably one of my favorite jazz instruments now. Yeah. But I was so resentful that I wasn't playing drums, but I, I just was like, never mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so I suffered, I suffered through, you know, a happy year of clarinet and just was so bitter about it. And then that was it. <clears throat> I took beginning guitar in college and then I got in the dandies and I just kind of did a lot of learning on the job.
0: So, what, like, when you joined the dandies, what were you – like? What was I your, didn't
1: really play an instrument. I, yeah, I didn't know how to do anything.
0: So can you, like, you know, if it's not too rehashed, because I'm sure, look, the band's 26, you know, 26 this year, I'm sure you may have told the story a few times, so you can tell it as in-depth or as shout, like, as, as brief as you want. But, like, how does a band start that you join and you've got a year of clar- begrudge clarinet up your sleeve, but you still join a band? Like, <laughs> what happens there? How does that all kind of come about?
1: yeah. Yeah, I can paraphrase it, of course, by now. Um, I took a, I had one year of college. So I'm in college. I'm studying welding and nutrition. I take two um, holiday seasonal jobs at the mall. Is this uh, in, this is in Vancouver. So, yeah, okay. so Vancouver is between Battleground and Portland.
3: So yep.
7: it's,
1: the, it's the first city. So I'm in there. I lived there for a year before I joined the band. And uh, uh, there was a – so I was working at Starbucks. And Sam Goody. So we're going to a coffee shop and a record store. Yep. Um. And there was a dude at the record store named Kirk, who, and at this time, at this point, we um we skipped over kind of high school of music, but at this point, I was going to see bands. I had discovered live music. Okay. So I'm going to any all age show I can. I don't like the music, but I'm I like that it's live and that. Feeling of just
0: live. predominantly guitar based um, stuff,
1: Nah, it, it was grunge, right? Okay, yeah, and yeah I of course. Was like, not very melodic, a lot of yelling, yeah, just you know, angst. Which the angsty part's fun because you know, I, I was 15, 16, 17 going, going to see bands, but the the lack of, of melody was hard for me, okay. Um and but whatever that's what mosh pits you know but surfers that, that kind of thing and uh this guy was like i'm uh, he's talking about being in a band and that just really kind of crossed this weird imaginary line of the people on stage being the people that you don't know because they're cool yeah and then you, you're not working at the coffee shop with one of the guys that that makes it seem well it, it takes away some of the mystery but also makes it all of a sudden accessible yeah. And so my brain was like, you, you're in a band. You play on stage at shows. Okay, then fine. Me too. That's what I'm going to do. And <laughs> okay. he you know, went on to say that that's not how it works. And I retorted, well, I'm a master manifestor, so you just let me know if you hear of anything. And he thought that was ridiculous and that I was being annoying. And he,
0: you know, walked off. Before you go on, before you go on, can I just quickly ask? You yes. said you're a master yeah. manifestor. Was that just like a throwaway, throwaway line or is that something that you kind of held on to? Or Like is it, is it based in some kind of reality?
1: Yeah, no, I was raised a uh, new age. And, okay. uh, you know, kind of when that book, The Secret, came out, that was really remedial um, – Information.
0: Yeah, that was that was all like common knowledge to you.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the silly version of manifesting, the yeah. weird, man, the materialistic manifesting one hundred one or something. Manifesting for housewives. Yeah. Um, how to get the washing machine you've been dreaming about? Yeah, weird. yeah. <laughs> But the law, of, the law, of attraction. Um. So when, yeah, I was like, no, that's that's fine. I'm just going to do that now, and. He turned out he's friends with Courtney. Courtney, the, the bass player uh, Gretchen that had been in the band for a few months with his girlfriend. Apparently she wasn't very good at it. They broke up. Peter and Eric, our original drummer yep. said, you know, even if you get back together, maybe she doesn't get back in the band. And Courtney tried out several bass players, um, mostly male bass guitar. Yep. And uh, his, his attitude was they have bad habits and I don't like their taste and I would rather just have somebody that doesn't know what they're doing that has um, charisma and is a fast learner and while he was saying that Kirk is like damn it I know who you're talking about
0: <laughs> that's amazing I know,
1: I know who you need he was just like son of a bitch <laughs> she was right she was running a yeah and then the, the crazy thing is there's no cell phones or computers, right? So yeah, there's, there's no numbers. instant
0: communication, yeah.
1: No, so so I worked there for Christmas, and I got Courtney's phone number in May. Um. So that was five months for this all to transpire, and somebody approaches me on campus, hands me this watered-up piece of paper with Courtney's phone number, says, I don't know, like singing or keyboards or whatever, or he's just looking... <sighs> For someone I'm like What I don't even know Who this person is That hands this note off I don't know How many people Touched that
0: Piece of paper Piece
1: of (laughs) Life changing information That that Anything could have Happened to make that Not The wind could have Changed directions And I could have Not got that phone number Yeah Um, And I I Called Courtney And he said Have you played in a band No Do you play any instruments No "Uh, But you want to be in a band Yeah Sounds cool Um. Okay, so meet me, you know, at this coffee shop in Portland uh, tomorrow, and we met. And he showed me, you know, hold this note down on the bass synth, and when I change my hands, hold the other one down.
0: And that was that was the, I, your introduction yeah. to playing an instrument.
1: That's it. Yeah, I mean, I had enough Fuck. dance background, so I had to rhythm and yeah. the beginning guitar class was. I was able to recognize kind of what chords he was playing. And yeah, it was like just enough
0: to um kind of get in on it that's 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 incredible like who who would write an you know who would put out into the world that like I want someone to play in my band who doesn't play an instrument and has never played in a band before like that's almost yeah. like to me it just reminds me of um like like it it's it's a kind of thing that like the, I guess the germs would have done kind of thing like let's just get what doesn't fit and make it work. It's
1: very punk rock. Yeah. That is a very punk rock (laughs) approach. Yeah. No experience necessary. Yeah,
0: no experience Uh, wanted. Like, please don't bring your experience with us. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Fuck fuck experience. Fuck fuck your bad habits. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Well, I, and I talk about it like, well, okay. A, if I if I was bluffing about being a master manifestor before, I certainly believed it after that.
0: Oh, absolutely! Look, you're all in now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So without, yeah, talk- and,
1: and you know, I just look at it. Go ahead. No, no, you go,
0: you go. Please don't let me stop you.
1: Oh, uh, I would just say, it just feels like I guess the way I think of it now is kind of winning the rock and roll lottery.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: because, but it's almost like know, winning the rock and roll lottery
0: without with, but with, by buying one ticket. Yeah, like <laughs> not a, not a handful of tickets. I'll just have one, please. No. Oh, cool! That's my number. <laughs> well, there you go.
1: Yep, there you go. Yep, exactly right. Um, but it's pretty, you know. I have to. I kind of have to say it that way too because I don't like. I mean, the story is great, and it's funny, and it's amazing that I just sort of showed up. But also, there are people that work so hard their dream of music yeah and not enough talent in the world means that your musical dreams are going to come true not enough practicing or perseverance nothing guarantees you the life that i've led nothing yeah and so it, it 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 helps me not feel guilty it helps me not have imposter syndrome it helps me you know just kind of embrace it like hey man it just happens to people sometimes and there's no way to recreate the the thing to get the, the same
0: outcome without talking too much about other people in, in your in a podcast that we're just talking about you in but what did you ever speak to Courtney like where where did that kind of whole concept come from of like that's what I want to do because it's not like again it's very punk rock but it's, it's not a common kind of perception like was that was that part of the appeal? Like, let's do something that says "fuck you" to everything else that's happening. Or?
1: Gretchen hadn't played anything. They were very much into the drone. It was a monophonic synth that only plays one note at a time anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just wanted a drone through the four chords, and everybody else was like, you know, playing playing too many notes. They're playing too aggressive, and yeah. you know, not just staying out of the way and, and creating this this droney psychedelic feeling. Um, so so you didn't really need a bunch of chops as a musician yeah. you needed to have a good sense of, of aesthetic and timing and style and know when to let you know this shit breathe and not not step on the music's toes. And so I really understand my role and, and value the, the um, way that I've evolved but it still no matter what I play comes from that core value of not overplaying
0: yeah that makes sense you can definitely like it's it's definitely like a less is more kind of approach to musicianship it is yeah
1: it totally is and i mean i have some busy parts because that's what was needed but usually i'll write a busy part because it's fun and then i end up taking it out because it's not what fits. yeah that
0: makes sense yeah fair yeah. enough
1: yeah. And I think people have a hard time editing themselves, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. No yeah, no no one wants to be told that, you know, you're doing too much and we and we want less of it. Yeah.
1: Right, right. You know what before we go forward though, because there is some um, high school musical pivotal moments that I wanna to touch on before we get too
0: far. It's yours to steer, so please, please go for it.
1: Okay, awesome. So so we have the the cassettes and the singles and the tapes to tapes and that kind of little moment. Um Of Of getting more independent About my choices in music Yep Um And then I have to admit The first two Records that I bought With my own money I think those are Important moments To point out Yeah absolutely Um I I wanna I wanna costume Contest <laughs> I didn't have Discretionary money As a kid growing up Um We were We always had a nice house And everything But there were always Cash for it seemed And uh and so I won this costume contest. Um, I think eighth grade, the end of eighth grade, and I it was a gift certificate to a music store.
3: Okay.
0: And
1: so I picked, I bought the first two records, and the first two records were the the first two Guns N' Roses albums.
0: Wow. Okay. So why why that? Like, was that was had you was it? You know, I guess MTV would have been a thing, like in it. Well, yeah, MTV. Then film clips were obviously a big kind of deal, and. They were guns. For the definitely would we? didn't
1: have I had never seen MTV yet. It oh right. Rain, I don't think
0: so so why that why no, that then no,
1: I didn't we didn't have cable. Yeah. Maybe I saw it someone else's house or Friday night videos, which can be for MTV. Okay. Um, maybe I thought on there, but I'm not sure how I discovered Guns N' Roses, but I could definitely sense the rebellion.
0: Yeah, very much so.
1: And it was my jump on my bed, I'm mad at my parents. Albums.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, that's um, understandable. Yeah,
1: I, you know, I can listen to them a few if I'm a few beers in, and like, yeah, GNR. But, <laughs> but mostly, I'm kind of kind of over it. Yeah, I can listen to it like nostalgically and ironically. Yeah, yeah. Um But so, but that was a moment. That's kind of the way I walked into high school was with with being hip to my parents' record collection, having a you know decent cassette collection now. Yeah, and and this, this, the the and GNR were on sets, for sure. I don't yeah. think I owned any CDs, yet. Um, but that that's kind of what was going on there. gay Russell, GNR, um, NWA, Beastie Boys, Rob Bass. I always really liked the, the hip hop, and then some of that more
0: um, harder rock. Did punk rock ever kind of like any kind of punk rock kind of cross your path? Um, Musically, or like you know, I guess the, the well the the punk rock band um, that most people associate with Portland is uh, Poison Idea. Like, was that ever on your radar or like early SST stuff and Sonic Youth and all that kind of stuff? Did that ever kind of cross you or? I
1: did. with Dead Moon I would identify with a little bit, but no. The punk stuff gets again less melodic and more just straight aggro. Yeah, and I needed to be a little. Popier. Uh, I dated a lot of skaters, so okay. <laughs> I definitely had to listen to a ton of bad religion and whoever else. Did you say STP? No, SST. Uh, sorry,
0: S- um, SST Records. Oh, oh yeah, no, it's bad,
1: no yeah. it's bad but um, I listened to all of it because that's what my boyfriends were listening to. And I do have one song that came out of that era that I still love, and that is Fugazi's "Waiting Room."
0: Oh, look! Y- you know, like you, it's 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 there. Smells like Teen Spirit. But if you don't love that song, then there's no like. What can you do? Like, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, uh, that's about the stonedest I've ever been in my life was listening to that song, and it was with a bunch of skater boys. And finally, the song came on, and I would not let them change it. <laughs> they, we, we probably listened to that song eleven times in a row. It's because I couldn't deal with whatever annoying teen ink crappy song was gonna come on after, after it. I just wasn't yeah. I just couldn't I suffered through so much already and it was everything was such a buzz kill and so harsh. And then that comes on in that face.
0: <laughs> yeah. It it's such a nice, vibey, happy song. Oh
1: uh, it's so good, it's so good. Um, so yeah, so so that was um was my like life raft um in, in amongst all of this angst skateboarder punk music. Up to speed. I mean, we can talk more about. I think that kind of covers high school music, and then I have this awesome memory that I I don't know how I I'm so glad I locked in and, and had this moment. Um, because I've I've brought it up many times in talking about music, but when I joined the Danny Warhols, I was in my first year of college. Yep. Um, I was living in Vancouver on my own for the first time in a you know a little basement for a hundred bucks a month. Yep. <laughs> and I joined the band. I was like, "Okay, this is this is what happened. You're moving to Portland. That was had always been my plan." And I know what was on the turntable, what was in the disc man, and what was in the cassette player. Light on me. In 1994, the cassette player had Edie Burkell and the New Bohemian. The turntable had Cream. Uh, I feel free.
3: Yep,
1: and the cassette player had Pix or the uh, disc man. I'm sorry, my my disc man had um, Pixies Doolittle.
0: There you go. <laughs> that's, so that kind of that's that's this that's where your heads at as the Danny Warhols are kind of starting off.
1: Yeah, so I didn't know any. I didn't know what shoe gave was. Yeah. I didn't know what drone was. I was not hip to. I mean, I didn't even really know the cool 80s music. I was going to 80s night, you know, every Friday as an all-age dance club thing, which was a very big part of high school, was going to 80s night in Portland. Um, And if we were going to pick a song for that, it would be Billy Idol Dancing with Myself.
8: Towns to go, go. Oh, with the record selection and the mirror reflection. I'm a dancing, with myself. Hell. Oh, when there's no one. Another cause it'll give me time to think. If I had the chance, I'd ask a woman to dance And I'll be dancing with myself
1: Many times that they said they didn't have it, and I bought a copy and brought it with me
0: and, and gave it to him to play. Um,
1: yeah, That's and he would wait till the very end when everyone was gone, and I would literally dance by myself to that song and have the entire nightclub to myself dancing. It was so fun.
0: Was Portland always the goal, or was it just because it was the big city closest to where you live? Or like did it was
1: you- the big city closest to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I know now how cool Portland is, but to me, it didn't matter. It was whatever city. Vancouver is kind of an annex of Portland. It doesn't have really its own identity.
3: Okay. Yeah.
1: Um. So so Portland is the is the you know place where there's clubs and bands and and artists and a vibe and a scene and gutter punks and and all that is Portland.
0: So have that, what, what makes port like yeah, this is, you know, this is it you can answer this in any, in any kind of way, but especially back, like back in the late eighties, early nineties, what made Portland a hub of that kind of community? Like why there, why not? Yeah. Why there basically? Like what do you think kind of led people there? Was it because it was affordable or was it like, what, what was it about it? I think that there's,
1: I, well A, I don't think people were led here yet. Okay. So it wasn't a destination because that's when everything changes for a city. Right. Right? The influence of the outside world sort of permeates the little bubble that it became on its own because um you know, the reasons people go and take over a city is they, they have developed a cool thing on their own and people want a part of it. It gets a reputation and, and that grows and then and then pretty much then pretty soon it's consumed by all of the people that were drawn to it and its core essence gets kind of washed or suffocated and that's and that's what's happening to you know Portland right now it's a it's a very painful transformation to be part of the city as it goes through that if you were in love with the way it used to be um, but my my theory on on why Portland in particular had that vibe. There's a, there's a couple things that come into play. Two that, that go all the way back to, you know, um, being discovered by not Native Americans yeah, yep. was pirates, right? Yep, yep. Pirates came to the coast. And then explorers um, it, it, it and it, uh, the other kind of adventurer came over the, over the mountains um, from the East Coast and made their way over here um the Lewis and Clark expedition. So you've got these really independent tough um you know, just this manifest destiny brimming over them. And so there that that's the that is the people who settled here. It wasn't easy to get here. And so you had to have this Tenacity and, and, you know, probably issues with authority. You're leaving for a reason, right? You, yep. You're risking your life to, to go somewhere else and start where somebody's not telling you how to
3: live. Yeah.
1: Um, and so there's very punk rock how this town started. And I think that that. Only now, like I said, is it is it getting sort of suffocated and squashed and forgotten because there's just so many people that aren't from here. Yeah. But that's the vibe. That's what's been cultivated for all the people in generations that, you know, generation after generation here. And then the other thing was even later when other cities were blowing up and becoming all intermingled with people from all over the world, um we still it still wasn't all that easy to drive here i mean the night the um the i-84 i think wasn't built until the 70s so it just wasn't very convenient
0: it was still it was still a lot of back roads and that kind of thing
1: yeah and so it's we just kind of got to stay here and be our own petri dish of art and rebellion and weirdness um and corruption i mean this is where people would come and hide out when they got too much heat on them in vegas Inva- yeah, right, we okay. This- yeah, so we- Portland Confidential is an awesome book about the corruption of this town. Okay. Um, And so it's always been a like, no, nah, we're going to do it this way. I mean, and we've like voted independently from the trends of the United States in general. We're known for that for okay. years. And it's making our own rules, being more progressive, being more intellectuals and artists and independent thinkers um non-conformists and that's now the when you say all those things doesn't that make you want to move here that became a more trendy way to live especially with progressive with the um environmental um things that we do with all of our recycling and yep. with our progressive politics as far as Recognizing the rights of the um, LGBTQ community, so all of this stuff combined, all of a sudden we became this this mecca for people who wanted to be in community with other people like that, yeah. rather than suffering in conservative communities and being outcast and not respected. Um, so that's great. That that I I love that there's a place for all these people to go, but it did sort of wish. Our kind of it popped our little bubble of independence. Yeah, and, and it
0: well, what it did was make it really expensive. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can imagine because I, I went there in two thousand and sixteen. I think it was yeah two thousand sixteen, and yeah, that was the kind of vibe. Like people were people's vibe was like, yeah, we are kind of we're getting moved to the outskirts, and
1: yeah, I mean, wh- uh, when I joined the Dandies, I only worked. Two days a week as a dishwasher, Tuesday and Wednesday, <laughs> and that was enough. Okay, I ha- I got a I, I rented a house. I mean, there's tons of places I lived here, but I rent my first time renting my own house. I rented the two bedrooms on the main floor, and I rented out the basement myself, and it was two hundred dollars a month.
3: Wow, <laughs> that's nothing
1: to have this basement. There's nothing. It means the entire house was six hundred. Oh, like what? Yeah. And and so we, I would work two days a week. I would have all this time to make little avant-garde, Super 8 films, and you know, have, do a Polaroid photo um, gallery collection. Like we yeah. just we, we just gotta be artist weirdo door. Go so thrift shopping all the time because everything only costs twenty five cents. Yeah, and that is, I mean, that just doesn't exist. It hardly anywhere anymore um but in portland really truly the rent going up like it did made it so you can still be an artist here and there's actually some really great avenues for professionals in the arts like filmmaking um and whatnot now so we have some industry of art here that we didn't have before but gone are the days where you can work two days a week and be an artist all the rest of the time and and you know it's like now you have to work full time and be an artist in your, in what's left over. And that is a completely different discipline.
0: Like you're in real estate. Do you ever drive past like old places and look at them and kind of think like, I mean, I guess, you know, you probably didn't have the money to invest obviously when you were working two days a week washing dishes, but like this is, it would, it would have to blow your mind thinking like, I stayed there and it was, you know, 50 bucks a month to, to own a, to rent a bedroom there. And now all of a sudden it's $1.5 million for the house or like does, does that kind of affect you Yeah
1: Well I mean the house I live in so I still live in the same neighborhood um I really like it's it's completely gentrified now unfortunately it yeah. was very much a ghetto when I moved here and some of that I really miss I yeah. mean I feel safer having a teenage daughter in the neighborhood the way it is now Yeah but I miss that I miss that grittiness and that edginess and also I miss the like cultural diversity thats is gone now but this house it was a five bedroom and i paid a hundred and thirty thousand for it in 1999 wow um, we're wow. five times that now yeah you know so it's i'm i'm in one that that i so i think of it all the time like and, and i take clients out that are people that i've been friends with for years and they're both working full-time and have real careers and can't buy a house in this neighborhood and that's just crazy that I have to take them to the outskirts and kind of, you know, give them this talk about, it's okay, it's your first home, you can, you know, live here for five to ten years yeah. and then you will have build up it, enough equity and then you can choose the neighborhood you want.
0: Yep.
1: It's just a completely different world now.
0: I mean, that like that is the truth. It's not like you're lying to your friends and like that is, you know, how it all kind of comes about. But no, yeah. that is.
1: I mean, that's it. Yeah. That's it. If you want to, you know, get in the game and own a piece of real estate, you you don't. Most people don't have the luxury of buying this close in anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. You start doing the dandies. Was was the goal to always tour? Uh,
1: well, for me, as as the world opened up, because I had not traveled, I hadn't been in an airplane or a hotel, or you know, I I really was like a country bumpkin. Yeah. And um, the guys were quite cultured compared to me. They'd at least, you know, gone to college and were in their mid-twenties and um, understood the the underground world of music better and fashion better. And, uh, you know, I I just felt like so wide-eyed. And so for me, it was like, play a show. Okay, now I can die. Happy. And then the next one was, you know, headline a show. And then the next one was headline this really cool venue La Luna and see people lining up around the block to see us and have girls with my haircut in line,
7: you know, and start
1: to feel that, that, that ego charge of, um, recognition and, and imitation and all, all that stuff to kind of, we start to feel like a rock star. Right. Yeah. And so then we, now we've made it. I can die happy. And then it was, we're gonna to drive to San Francisco. We're gonna drop some acid on the ten hour drive and we're gonna play a house party in San Francisco. And that was like what is happening right now? This is too much. This is incredible. And we did that. And then the and then a West Coast tour, right? And then a US tour in a van and then and we're fighting all the time and now everyone's hungry and we're not getting enough sleep and you know, it's a real the real dues paying portion of being in a band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and then, you know, and we're and we're on an indie label and then all of a sudden major labels are fighting over us and we're flying to London and so my my twentieth birthday was the first airplane ride to New York. So I've yep. been in the band a year. Yep. And then my twenty first was my first international flight to London. So that's two years. Yeah. So it didn't seem like it was unfolding crazy fast because I was a kid and it was just like never ending summer kind of feeling. Oh, I can
0: imagine. Yeah. Um, but now
1: when I look, but when I look back on it, it did happen quite, quite quickly.
0: Yeah. Um, like that is.
1: Because then once it was, major,
0: go ahead. No, I was going to say like for a bit, even for a band nowadays to um like, if, you know, a, a younger band nowadays, even with all the, all the benefits of, um, you know, digital, digital, digital distribution of music and the accessibility of everything kind of thing. Like, bands still have to kind of do legwork, and it's very, it's very uncommon for a band to be like, "Cool, okay, well, we're about a year in, and and off we go to we're, we're actually doing a tour where we can afford to jump on a plane and go over like on tour, um, and then to do it to be international, two years into it, that's mind blowing. Like, that's so fast.
1: Yeah. It, 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 it is, um, and then, I mean, probably for all of our sanity, luckily we didn't just, like, skyrocket into massive stardom. Yeah. Um, I think we, you know, we, we got up to that point and did the international touring, and we were growing steadily, um, but then it, it really did sort of level off in this, like, healthy, we're rock stars, but also, you know, live fairly modestly and we're not getting pampered to a way where we've completely lost um, touch with reality. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I have to say, I mean, my I guess my retirement account isn't as grateful for that as, as my <laughs> mental stability is. But yeah. I think I would choose, you know, mental health over a
0: fat retirement account. That makes sense. Yeah. So... Um. I, yeah. Like, have we got? Have you got like a kind of song that sums up those years, like the early dandy years, and the moving out of home? And you know, you said you've got three different albums on three different, like, your tape deck, your record player, and your discman. What kind of sums up the years of independence for you? Um. Well, those, definitely those those three those three
1: songs. You know, indicate where I was at. Kind of when i was like kind of cool before i really took like being cool as a full time job <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <You> <laughs> which is you, like
0: uh, your your signature your signature says like um oh trust,
1: trusted real estate agent rock and roll veteran
0: yeah you should you should really put like professional cool person or something something of that nature <laughs> because like let's be real i mean it's not every like it's not every day that that women model their hair after people like, I mean, you know, you've obviously said enough trends that people imitate your style heavily. So, you know, I think, you know, you should, you should add the the cool bit down on your, on your signature.
1: I would have to put accidentally cool. I was never great at a premeditated cool. Okay.
0: So that was, um, ne- that was, really that, that was never part of the manifestation. That was never, sorry. That was never part of no, the, um yeah.
1: I was just trying to not embarrass, Peter and Courtney. <laughs> Fair enough. They just seem, they just seemed so cool. And I mean, when I met Courtney, I had fire engine red, manic panic hair cut into a, like a bratty bob, uh, pink top, no bra, camouflage pants from the thrift store, like our military surplus and some knockoff Birkenstock sandals. And I, I just looked like an indie rock lesbian.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Um, <laughs> and- and really sort of just generic Alterna girl.
0: Yeah, okay. Um,
1: and so, and Courtney had like, stay press, um, pinstripes, pig mod, pants with like some, some beetle boots. Yeah. And, you know, just like so fucking styled and cool. And I was so intimidated by how these guys like... You know, even if you're just scared to even show them something as if when you're thrift shopping together, yeah. like, that you think is cool, and then they look at you like, that was the lamest choice I could have possibly made. <laughs> yeah.
0: we're, now, and, we're now reassessing your, your role in the band.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. So for me, it was just how do I not embarrass those guys? And And I look back at photos, and I know I did. I failed. <laughs> I know I embarrass them on many occasions
0: of not dressing cool enough. So how, but how, like, how do you, for someone that kind of doesn't really like, you know, never really wanted to be cool. How did you, this is going to sound like an odd question, but how did you kind of keep a level head with turning up and like seeing women with your haircut or with your, you know, your, whether or not you thought it was fantastic or not, obviously people kind of try to imitate it. How do you, how do, how do you maintain a level head with that?
1: Well, it's flattering, of course, because I must have done something right then, or yeah. else those guys were just a dorky, like, they picked a dorky choice to imitate, and they <laughs> gave it up on them. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, I guess for me, the status of being cool and being in a band and being looked up to always was more important to be able to use as a platform for activism.
0: Okay, yep, that makes sense.
1: So having, I realized the more people that are paying attention to me, the further what I have to say is going to travel, the more impact I'm going to have. So this is really an opportunity to use my powers for good, kind of a
0: thing. What was like, I mean, it's going to sound like a silly question because to me it's completely obvious, but like, what were you kind of, what were you pushing and what like and where were you getting a chance to kind of speak? Because you like I've never I've seen you guys play a bunch of times over the last 20 years. Um, and you were never really a, in my opinion, you were never really like a lot of bands I listen to come from like, a lot of bands I listen to are punk rock or hardcore bands who will talk as much as they play, sometimes to their detriment, sometimes not, you know, always engaging and kind of sharing ideas on stage where you guys, I felt like you guys never had that kind of, that on stage banter, it was always like hit, oh, you know, song into song and kind of, you know, you'd, fl- you'd f- flow three or four songs into another. Where were you kind of using your voice to, to kind of spread your message and what was the message you were kind of trying to get out there? Well, once
1: we are playing the show, you're there to have an experience and that experience is, driven by musical instruments and what kind of trance and, an elevating experience can we have when we all start playing together? Yep. So there's a, something that's sort of sacred about that, that I wouldn't want to infuse too much politics or activism into the middle of that. I yep. think that that's a bit, uh, sacrilegious sort of to the music and
0: the moment. Yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah. You're like, let play the next song. And, and people especially who have been following our live performances for a long time came there for that. They did not come there to hear me talk about like my new favorite cause, you know, like that's yeah. so tacky. But we can do it by which um, benefits do we decide to play? So we would play, that makes sense. Um, yeah. we would play, you know, big benefits for queer rights. Uh, or um, I I uh, brought the entire musical um, scene of Portland. Well, not the entire. Obviously, it was divisive and not everybody wanted to support
2: me. <laughs> okay. But
1: um, I, got, I got a ton of musicians together to keep fluoride out of the water in Portland, which is a very divisive yeah um, subject debatable issue but it was very important to me and it was really empowering to sort of harness this influence that musicians have and um, and artists have over their the people who love their music or their art and so to get all these musicians together to rally around a cause A was so rewarding to see that I had this Community that was this um, amazing resource for to get the word out, a message of change, um, and so that that was pretty amazing. Um, so, so I'm using my influence and my um, social capital to have a platform and to make changes, and usually they're based around the environment or um, human rights.
0: Yeah, um, the like you're obviously the bet like the the rest of the dandies like whether they're vocal about it or not are obviously kind of on the same page as you and and have no qualms with you kind of speaking your mind about those things
1: yeah I mean I could tell that we weren't gonna really be um I've been sort of let's see I would consider myself... Um, I came in early as an animal rights activist and that started in about sixth grade. Yep. So that's where, you yep. know, speaking out and marching and writing letters and, and all those things, um, started for me. And then when I got into the band, it seemed like maybe not so much that wasn't going to be our focus, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we we would still play these benefits, and I don't know if the if the rest of my bandmates cared about the cause as much as I did. Okay. But they're really good about just kind of going along with it. So they support me, and we all are, have the same political views. You know, I'm sure if we can boil it down to some differences somewhere, but we don't get into big political debates and be on opposite sides. We're, we're usually just preaching to the choir when we talk politics. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And so, they might not be as driven to make sure that there's always a cause or be using their, um their platforms oh, cel- in the same way. Yeah, they're
0: celebrity to push, me- to share messages. Yeah,
1: but, but they, su- they support me to do it. Like, we have this um, new record that comes out tomorrow.
0: Which I'm very excited and, about.
1: Uh, Yes, and we talk about that. there, um, we're donating one dollar from the download of each album to Sweet Relief, which is a fund for musicians um, that are struggling, specifically now that are having loss of income due to canceled shows because of the coronavirus.
0: Yeah, I don't want to touch on anything if it kind of sp- like you know spurs a nerve or something. But I remember thinking it was really cool. In I guess it would have been two thousand sixteen. Um, when you got up and did you i guess I, I don't know how you'd explain it but you kind of welcomed on stage um Ber- uh, bernie sanders how that yeah, that's that a thing that happened beat. yeah you did yeah so yeah i didn't i didn't envi- i didn't imagine that you actually did that um like yeah and then yeah. on like and then your dad's you know a trump head how does that kind of all play out like was was he into trump before trump was um before he was a politician or like what? I
1: don't know. I I only realized that he voted for Trump like six months ago.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: And I hope we never talk about it again. But um, no, so when I did that speech, A, like totally one of the high points of my life.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. One of
1: the most rewarding Validating. I mean, I don't know how many people were out of town before they got to my name on that list.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> well, look, the list is long but extinguished. You were there. You did it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, but uh I mean I was that was a twenty four hour notice I had before giving that speech.
0: Wow, okay. Um,
1: and I've never of course spoken twenty six thousand people a speech. I mean I've maybe said thank you or whatever between songs, but um not speaking to twenty six people riled up for this this president and who twenty six thousand people of which maybe three thousand know who I am.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, you know, as a guest. So when I said I wanted to start the speech and say, I'm Dean McCabe, I'm a mother, I'm a Portland native and they were like No, you say, I'm Zia McCabe from the Dandy Warhouse. What are you (laughs) talking about? And I just, I got so embarrassed by the, even the thought of people, one person looking to the person next to them going, who? And I just thought that was so embarrassing, the idea of that. But whatever, I walked up there, I owned it. I acted like, nope, you should feel bad if you don't know who I am already.
0: Yeah, you're in the wrong if you don't, yeah, if you don't know this, yeah.
1: (laughs) So that's the attitude I tried to carry out there. Um, and yeah, it was, I'm not an extremely political person. I think I'm more of a grassroots activist and I try to, you know, act locally and, and I care more about the, the earth and the wildlife than I do the humans. And, and so there's, but Bernie is just, he's a, he's a real special character and I, I don't know if, if Americans Uh, sadly we're just such a big country and the middle is so different than the coast but um i don't know that he'll ever be president but he he has made a positive impact on this country and therefore this planet and i do really really respect him and that was such an honor to do that opening speech like what uh and and i think if you google just VMK Bernie
0: Sanders the speech comes up. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it would. Like it's it whether or not whether or not he whether or not he makes it to the to, you know to the final race in November, it the amazing thing about him is he brought so many uh not really fringe, but like some concepts that are just like just general human rights concepts that people yeah. like most yeah. people talk about, but not everybody talks about, or that that everybody knows about. And all of a sudden, whether whether it's, you know, the left or the, the, the left trying to promote it or the right trying to knock it down, a conversation's being had, especially like the one thing that blows my mind is the universal healthcare thing. Coming from Australia, we have that. I couldn't think of any other way to do it. Like, it's just insane. But, you know, not everybody thinks that way. And so, you know, he's someone that's bringing the conversation to the table
1: absolutely and think about the people crying out about not being tested in america right now yeah i mean we're at like one fourth of what the other countries are doing for capita as far as testing goes yeah and people crying out about being expensive and not having access to everybody i'm like well hello yeah. that's what socialized medicine is yeah this is that's yeah. why the other countries have the test yeah what do you guys and his and trump's his support is rising is just Blabbergasting Yeah I cannot figure out How he's getting more Popular yeah. During all of this but Anyway So I'm gonna give you One more song For the early years In the Dandy Warhol Please do And then we'll then We'll bring it uh, Mazzy Star I think it was Fade Into You It yep. came on 120 minutes And that's when I finally Sort of found my own Well I can't call it Found my own style What well, I found someone's style To emulate
3: Yeah That um, made sense And I
1: just I decided to yeah, I decided I was just gonna dress like her and I wouldn't have to worry about, she's cool, all dressed like that, done. I can stop worrying about it. A-line skirts, knee-high socks, men's dress shoes, little ratty t-shirts, yep. get on with your life. But also seeing that video on 120 Minutes and, and falling in love with Mousy Star and Hope Sandoval, her music and her look, um, that was a, a, a band that we all loved without question.
9: Bye. Put your hands in your...
1: i want to talk about is that because we've been on lockdown obviously we've canceled a bunch of shows yeah we're you know stuck at home we've got all these fans that are sad that they don't they don't have this music to see live on the fan page i'm seeing all these postable um live footage live interviews videos um youtube song uh tracks on youtube all this um Selfies with us, and I thought, man, we've got to get something out to these guys. There's got to be stuff that we've never released that's relevant, right? And we have this three hours, over three hours um, album that we recorded, I think, mostly in 2010.
0: Was it recorded at the auditorium?
1: Yep, it was yep. recorded at the auditorium, I think, before Auditorium World of Warlords of Mars. But, but don't hold me on that part. I don't I'm not exactly sure. After auditorium, whatever. Yep. Um and uh, Peter wanted to make a record where we were all using different instruments and it was very free form and free spirited and playful and experimental and no lyrics and no verses and choruses and just make this um uh you put it on in the background almost. Right. Yeah. And um so we people would playing through this funny drum machine and pedals. And I, I remember using a ton of barfesa and another organ and every percussion instrument in the building, every vintage toy instrument, everything. We just, we'd put it all in there. Yeah. And it's these awesome pieces of music that Courtney realized what was happening was we were making Tafel music and Tafel music, I think came from mid century Germany Um, which was where they would just have this little band in the corner playing background music for banquets and dinner parties Okay. because you didn't have, you weren't putting records on, right? It was just DJing your party. (laughs) You have this little live live band in the corner and that's taco music. And it all, and it usually has this sort of lighthearted kind of vibe. And so, so we started shaping this into this long dinner party soundtrack and the only time we've used it is when we, for several years, held these fancy pants dinner parties where about hundreds fans would come from around the world. We'd have like a four or five course meal for you pick out the wine pairings, and all the while in the background was the shuffle music.
0: How did people get invited to that? Like, what was the?
1: We just put it on our website. You just you bought a bought a ticket and got a your way hotel there. As part of the package. Yep. Yeah, the people from Australia came. Insane. Um, really cool, really fun, and we would all wander around and mingle and become friends with everybody. So intimate and sweet, and I don't know if any band has ever done this.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably not.
1: I think we did it four or five years in a row, and at the end, the grand finale would be us performing a, a fairly improv live score uh, while we played these avant-garde short films that we would find. I'd play like a theremin or a guitar. Peter would brought some modular synths. It was so fun, so weird um, and unique and one of a kind. You'd see the one that you saw at the dinner and it would never be performed again and we'd pick three different films for the next year. But the background music was this powerful music and we never released it. And so what we're calling the album is thoughtful music means more when you're alone. And we've sort of shifted the, I listen to it while I've been stuck at home. It's, you know, three hours of this great music that you can be doing literally anything to washing dishes, taking a bath, having sex, sweeping the floor, um, organizing drawers. This music is never wrong. And so I realized this is it. This is the thing that we've got to put out to everybody. And we kind of renamed the songs before they were named like um, appetizer, salad course, whatever, cigarette break. Um, and so, so now they have this more um, titles that kind of fit the, the current state of the world a little more, not super on the nose,
7: but yeah,
0: yep.
1: they resonate, resonate more with where we're at.
0: There you go. So That'll be available like by the time this comes out it'll be it'll be already it'll be out. But for those who haven't who aren't aware of it, Danny available directly from there or is it a band camp site or yep, yep. it's it'll be
1: it'll be directly through there. It will be a band camp link. Like I said, the price of the album, three hours of music, it's gonna be eleven eleven and Fantastic. one dollar of that goes to sweet release. So um we'll be helping other artists that uh have had a bunch of canceled gigs and there is an option to pay more. So for those people that are patrons of the arts and didn't lose their job during the coronavirus, yeah. they are <laughs> welcome to tip on top of the price. But 1111 and $1 a dollar to three release.
0: That's in- that's incredible. Thank you so much. Like this means you know, uh, you know, it means so much to me. Um I'm yeah, I'm really I'm really stoked that yeah, I'm really stoked that we got to do this.
1: And yeah, I'm so glad it finally it finally worked out. I felt so
0: bad that I that oh, I cloned on you so many times. Yeah, but I really like I I really appreciate this has actually happened, and I'm fucking over the moon. Um, where like people can find you on Instagram, DJ Rescue um, is your DJ name. Um, obviously, so you and you, whenever you're playing, generally whenever you're playing in a town, you'll probably DJ after at a local club, which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, is there anything else you kind of want to plug any anything else you kind of want to mention before we wrap it up
1: yeah yeah we didn't mention dj rescue so i made a really fun coronavirus playlist on spotify
0: fantastic i'll share that as soon as we finish on spotify yeah awesome unreal
1: yeah i
0: think it's like six hours long six hours so but like yeah they can
1: yeah they can
0: you've got You've got ten hours, or nine hours of content between your playlist and the new Danny Warhol's album. That's you know that that's that's what's gonna yeah, that that should consume everybody. Um again, thank you. Let us pick a song and then we'll wrap it up. What's what song kinda set like sums up Zia McKay in twenty twenty? It's the band, cigarettes after sex. Do you ever listen to
1: these
0: guys? Cigarettes after sex, never, but it's the most amazing name I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, cigarettes after sex. Apocalypse. It um well, it's called apocalypse, right? So it it goes with uh, it goes with the the the, the moment, the world we're living in at this moment.
0: Yeah, fantastic.
1: I'll, I'll make that the year so far.
0: Thank you very much for sticking around. Episode fifty next week. Oh, it's a special one. Um dot PodBelly Network. Uh, you know, do the damn thing. My uh, my age podcast on all the socials, but well, only only two socials: Instagram and Facebook. If you're this far, you probably know that. But you probably you know you might have stopped by now. Um, yeah, take it easy. Bye.
10: Discreet, but there were so many people you just had to meet without your clothes. And everybody knows, everybody knows, everybody knows knows. that's how it goes. God. meter on your bed that will disclose